0: Well, good, morning. good morning, Jonathan sends his greetings. He told me, make sure you greet them for me. Jonathan's taking a little time off um, as he's still working through his doctoral studies. Uh, this morning we're going to be in Philippians two nineteen through 30. Philippians two nineteen, 19 through 30, and uh, it's on Pew, uh, on, in, in the Pew Bible on page 1165, 1165, Philippians two nineteen through 30. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore. That you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word. We acknowledge it as your word. And because it is your word, it is profitable for us just to listen to, to read. Father, bless the preaching of your word, even though I am a broken vessel. Father, bless the preaching of your word, that having heard it, we may somehow be changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, on January 8th, 1956, five missionaries, including Jim Elliott and Nate Saint, encountered a hostile group of Indians from the Aka tribe of Ecuador. In the weeks before, Nate Saint, the pilot, had flown them over the tribe, and they had attempted to lower gifts uh, in a bucket on a rope. And after they finally received a, a return gift from the Aka tribe, they landed to make initial contact. And things went well at first. They gave one of the men of the tribe a ride in the airplane. But by Sunday, the encounter with Aka would end with Elliot and uh, Saint and the other three missionaries killed by Aka warriors. Now, Jim Elliot didn't go to Ecuador to lose his life, but he knew that it was a possibility. Years earlier in his journal, he, he wrote a quote that has since inspired generations of Christians and missionaries. He wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And I can't help but think of that story when, when I read how Paul talks, to Timothy, uh, talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus when he writes in verse 29 and 30 specifically about Epaphroditus. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. And it's a natural continuance to his plea to the Philippians to shine like lights in the darkness, to refer to these men uh, through whom the Holy Spirit was working. Paul in Philippians has shared about the importance of humility, and then he shared about being shining lights. And there seems to be a tension here. More often than not, when you put a person on a pedestal, he falls off. We've seen it so many times. Just recently, with 700 men in the Baptist church, 700 pastors um, who were predators. Ravi Zacharias. I mean, we can go back to my own time uh, with Jimmy Swaggart when I was a, a child more often than not you put men on pedestals they fall off so why why does Paul say to the Philippians honor such men doesn't that seem to be a recipe for disaster well there's a difference between honoring men and venerating men typically what we tend to do in the west in the evangelical culture we tend to say to our catholic brothers and sisters we don't venerate saints and yet we venerate Christian celebrities. And the problem with veneration is veneration looks at a man or a woman and says, this person is special in and of themselves and has some power or some worth apart from what the gospel gives to them. That their gifts are somehow their own and not given to them by God. To put them up in a place where They are closer to God than every other Christian. Brothers and sisters, when we do that, we make them into venerated saints. Saints, the word itself just means that we are set apart by God. And that's true of all of us who've embraced Christ as Savior and Lord. So Paul is not telling them to venerate these men. Because to do so means that they can't even challenge these men and if that were true the apostles would be off limits right but even paul himself goes to peter and peter's sin when peter is is eating with the gentiles when the jews aren't around but when the jews come around he doesn't eat with the gentiles and pretends like they're 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 horrible people and paul calls him on it in front of everybody to his face publicly Peter was not on a pedestal. He was not venerated. He was not at a point where he could not be questioned by the word of God. No man is. So when Paul is telling us to honor these men, he's not telling us to venerate them or put them on a pedestal or never question that they could be sinning or could be wrong. That's not what he's saying. Instead, it's the sort of honoring that shows what God is capable of doing in and through every one of us. It's focusing on what God is doing in these men, what God has done through these men, and letting it inspire us that God can do, if he could do that with them, he could do that with us. And that's the beauty of Peter's life, isn't it? I mean, Peter is the New Testament Jacob. The guy messes everything up. And yet God calls him to lead his apostles. Jesus sets him apart. And yet... He's a failed man, like all of us. But there's an honor that we can have of what as we see what what over the course of Peter's life God has done in and through him. Where he's brought him, where he started, and where he finished. And that can encourage us. Honoring the faith of others encourages us in our own faith. Paul knows that the Philippians need to be encouraged. Paul is in jail. And they aren't certain that they're ever going to see him again. On top of that, Epaphroditus has been ill to the point of death. And Paul knows that they need the encouragement of seeing how God has sustained the life of Epaphroditus. He refers to that in verse 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. But more than just relief that Epaphroditus made it through the illness, Paul also knows they need to see the selflessness of Timothy. In the service of Epaphroditus, so that they would be encouraged by what Paul said at the very beginning of this letter He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Epaphroditus and Timothy are examples of God's good work, and that's why they're to be honored. They're examples that the Philippians need to see to be encouraged in their faith, and examples that Paul needs to see to be encouraged in his own faith. Wait a minute. Hold up, what did you just say, Paul? What? Wait, why does Paul need to be encouraged in his faith, you might ask? Well, everyone needs encouragement. And Paul's not a super saint. Remember, we just talked about that. He's a human being just like us, and I think we get the idea that he's some sort of Yoda figure that can just you know, put out his hand and, and sense the force somehow and know exactly what's going to happen in the future so that he never has to struggle with knowing what God has planned for him. But that's not true. That's not how it works. That's not how God set it up. His whole point here is that that Paul, yes, learns revelation, but that revelation is about Jesus Christ. Paul doesn't have all the answers. He doesn't know. He struggles early in, in in the epistle to know whether He's going to go home and be with the Lord, or he's going to stay and continue to minister to the Philippians and to others. He's wrestling with those things. He doesn't know the conclusion. So don't ever think that these saints are different from us, these apostles are different from us, in the sense of knowing what the future is going to be. Yes, they know their ultimate future, but they have no idea what's going to happen from day to day. They didn't get some kind of, you know, spidey sense that this was going to happen or that was going to happen At times, God revealed certain things to them. But they did not know every single thing that was going to happen. And so Paul can still struggle. He can still wonder. He can still be depressed. He can still be in prison. And he can still wrestle, just like you and I wrestle. But so that you don't just believe me, (laughs) what I'm saying, look at the word. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by news of you. Paul needs to be cheered. Verses 23 and 24, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. He doesn't know. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come to you also. I don't know, but I'm trusting that this is what the Lord is going to do. There's uncertainty of his release, where there is uncertainty in regard to Epaphroditus' recovery. Paul candidly shares the uncertainty that he experienced verse 27 but God had mercy on him and not only him but me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow This is a great thing to remember when you have relatives friends who are suffering it wasn't any different for Paul when he saw his friend suffering He didn't go oh well he's going to go on to glory it's okay He suffered. He felt sorrow. He's meant to feel suffering and sorrow. Verse 28, I am the more eager to send him therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. Paul felt anxiety. We imagine Paul is that mystical figure, but he didn't know exactly what was going to happen from moment to moment. Just because he received that revelation doesn't mean he knew everything that was going to happen. And here's something that we need to remember. You will never be so spiritually mature that you will grow beyond being encouraged by what God is doing in and through other people around you. Ever. If you ever feel like you've arrived there, that means you have more room to grow. Because humility is lacking. If Paul needed to grow in those areas, if he needed to be encouraged, we need to be encouraged too. And Paul's faith is encouraged by these two men, and his desire is to send them to the Philippians so that they too may also be encouraged. So in what ways does honoring faith of others encourage us in our own faith? Well, first, honoring the faith of others encourages us to live selflessly. Look at verses 19 through 22. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Now, Paul's commenting on the depths of Timothy's walk with Christ. Even though there are plenty of other men that Paul has discipled, Timothy stands out among them because of his depth of compassion and his humility and that he puts the interests of others before his own. How encouraging is it to Paul to know that this disciple is walking with the Lord deeply? Timothy will continue to preach the gospel, and he knows that long after he's gone, long after Paul has gone to be with Christ Timothy will continue to faithfully preach the gospel. And you can see it how Timothy refers to, or Paul refers to Timothy. He says, How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Now, if you live in Atlanta and you listen to the radio, which is rare these days, but if you listen to the radio, you've heard the voice of Tom Shane. You know his iconic voice assures you that uh, when you shop with them, you have a friend in the diamond business. And you know the locations of the stores are in Gwinnett, Alpharetta, and Kennesaw open Monday through Friday till 8 and Saturday and Sunday till 5 and online at shaneco.com. But recently, if you've been listening, you've noticed that there's another voice next to that iconic voice of Tom Shane. There's another voice, a little less nasally, but similar, and that's the voice of Rorden Shane. And the reason for this is clear, Tom Shane can't live forever. We might think he has because he's been on the radio for so long. But Tom Shane can't live forever, and he knows he's going to have to hand the family business over to someone else. And so occasionally he will bring in Rorden Shane to talk about having a friend in the diamond business. That he knows that once Tom's gone, your friend's not gone. You got a new friend. His name's Rorden. And he'll get you your diamonds cheap. So when Paul uses the phrase, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel, he's painting that picture of a father and a son in the family business. Now, the gospel isn't a business, but you can see how that care and nurture that a father has with a son, and how he, he you know, how Tom Shane probably has taken Warden Shane over to Israel uh, and into Africa, South Africa. Uh, as he does his diamond trade, introduces him to those he knows, teaches him in a trade so that one day he will be prepared to, to step in to where his father was before him. You can see how Paul has done that with Timothy. No, Timothy will not be an apostle, but he will be a preacher of the gospel. And so Paul is reassured by seeing in his own Disciple these, things, these gifts and these fruit, um, this fruit emerging, he knows he can rest easy because preaching the gospel doesn't depend upon him, but upon the spirit that God has put in Paul and has now put, and he he's sure is in Timothy. Oftentimes it's a blessing to our own lives when we see those we've poured into become passionate about the things of Christ. Like a father with their children, who, who are their children then, go on to live for the Lord. For those that we have have taught from Scripture, that have, that have we have discipled on our own, to see them just having a zeal for the Lord. And the thing is that as we grow older, sometimes our zeal gets a little colder. We get further from the, the moment of our conversion and in the, in the amazing zeal that we had. I mean, when I first became a Christian, I mean, I had the T-shirt, the cross, the Bible, and told everybody about Jesus. That... That zeal was just pervasive. But as you get older, you get a little bit more, you know, your, your, your fire gets a little less fierce. And so sometimes seeing these people in our lives that we've poured into be zealous about the gospel reminds us of our own zeal and stokes that fire within us. Though Paul doesn't fit that jaded category, he, he, he probably can attest to, to the fact that he has no greater joy than to know that his children, his spiritual children, are walking in the truth. But it isn't just Paul that needs to be encouraged by the selflessness of Timothy here. The Philippians do as well. Look at verse 21. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That language takes us back to verse 3 and 4 of this chapter. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. It's the same phrase. That's similar to what he says about Timothy. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Timothy is living out verses 3 and 4. How encouraging to Paul. And Paul hopes that Timothy's selflessness continues to pastorally prompt and inspire the Philippians to seek Christ all the more. And to die to self. Much like Jim Elliot and Nate St laid their lives on the line. Who in your life has been an inspiration to you of the selflessness of Christ? Who has impacted and encouraged your faith in Christ? Paul calls upon the Philippians to honor selfless men, not boost their egos, but to underscore what Christ has done in and through them by the Holy Spirit. But honor the faith of others doesn't just encourage us to live selflessly. Honoring the faith of others encourages us to live and serve fearlessly. Nick Saint and, and, or Nate Saint and Jim Elliot and the others didn't presume that they would die while attempting to share the gospel. No. However, they knew it was a possibility. Epaphroditus is listed as someone who knew the possibility in traveling to assist Paul while he was in jail. Paul explains in verse 30, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He not only risked his life in in contracting illness, but he also risked being identified as another guy that maybe should be jailed because he's ministering to Paul while he's in prison. He's putting himself in harm's way. In verse 25, Paul describes Epaphroditus differently than he describes Timothy. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. There's still that familial connection of brother. And he also calls him fellow worker. There's more of of an equal relationship here. But then he calls him fellow soldier. That term soldier is particularly striking and indicates that that perhaps Paul and Epaphroditus shared that same view as the gospel is the war on the kingdom of Satan and the powers of hell. That Epaphroditus was aware that his faith was hostile to the world in which he lived. And even more so, hostile to the evil one who attempts to hold, the, hold dominion over the kingdoms of men. A soldier is aware, is aware of the dangers and is aware that he lives in hostile territory. Epaphroditus knew well that his mission was dangerous. But in spite of these things, Epaphroditus served the Lord by ministering to Paul. This fellow soldier, as we have seen, was sidelined by a major illness, as described in verse 27. Indeed, he was ill. Near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. There's an element within all of us that craves safety. We live in the West where we have not had to endure the kind of persecution that those in the East have had to, to endure. Now, more and more, we're beginning to have some forms of persecution, but not to the extent that our brothers. And sisters in other countries have faced. And we're probably a little bit more hobbit than we we are willing to admit, right? We don't want to get involved. We want to stay at home. We want to be safe. We crave safety. And if we're honest with ourselves, that runs through our our life and our faith. I can imagine many of the Philippians trying to reason with Epaphroditus before he went saying, Look, you know, um, this isn't safe. And after it, this happened to him with the illness, you know, I knew it wasn't safe. If the Romans didn't get him, illness and starvation would. Why did he do this? Why did he go? In calling Philippians to, the Philippians to honor such men, Paul is reminding them that the gospel isn't safe. Following Christ is not safe. We've been blessed here in the West to minister in safety but the early church did not have that luxury. And like I said, many around the world do not have that luxury. And one day may come where it is not safe. It's becoming increasingly unsafe to view the world through the Christian worldview and to express that openly and publicly. Jesus promised exactly the opposite of safety and comfort to those who follow him. But in lieu of those things, he promised eternal peace and eternal safety. Hearing the stories of those who risked everything or lost everything for the sake of the gospel encourages us in our own walk, in our own faith. If God can sustain them through that, he can sustain us too. That's what it says. That's what it reminds us of. If God can accomplish these things through them, he can accomplish these things through us. And we know That when the kingdom of darkness, or when we push against the kingdom of darkness by the gospel, the kingdom of darkness pushes back. But there's no need for us to shrink back. Because we've seen that God can and does work through other people, his people, to stand against the darkness of this world and to continue to preach the gospel. That's exactly what happened to those five men who attempted to share the gospel with the Aka Indians. Rachel, the sister of, of Nate Saint, and Elizabeth, the wife of Jim Elliott, along with her three year old daughter, did something countercultural, different. They realized the danger. They lost relatives, they lost husband, they lost brother to the Aka tribe. What would your reaction be? I want you to think about that for a moment. What would your reaction be? Now, let me tell you what their reaction was. They moved outside to outside where the Aka lived. And slowly and surely, they won their trust. And over two years, her three year old daughter in tow, they won the trust of the Aka tribe. And they shared the gospel with them. And they came to know the Lord as their Savior. A few years ago, before the pandemic was a reality, (laughs) my son got to go to Ecuador on a school trip. And there he met the grandson of the man who had gone up in the plane. The man who spoke lies that led to the deaths of Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and the rest. But also, A man like Paul with blood on his hands who was cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and who himself passed that good news on to future generations. Brothers and sisters, we don't honor such men to place them on pedestals, we do not venerate Men or women, we look and we see. If someone like Elizabeth Elliot and Rachel Saint are capable in the power and through the power of the Holy Spirit, in Christ, of that kind of forgiveness... So are we. If Jim Elliot, Nate Saint, and the others are capable, through the power of the Holy Spirit, of ignoring their safety and placing their life on the line to share the gospel and to be true to Christ in a hostile world, then the Holy Spirit's able to do that in each and every single one of us. So we need not fear. We need not shrink back. And the more we read about and honor such people as these, the more it inspires and reminds us not that they were special, but the power of the Holy Spirit in them did special things. And He can do that in us too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have various struggles in this world. It's becoming increasingly dark and difficult to share the gospel. We lose our zeal, we lose our passion because the world is so dark to us now. Father, help us to remember the lives of your saints, of those who lived this would help us to be able to, to accurately separate, divide the reality that they were sinners saved by grace. And that be, without you, they had no power. From the fact that we should honor the fact that, that this was a work that you did in and through them. Father, may you use us on our lives to encourage others around us, our family, our friends, and the watching world. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.